I want God to fully abide in my life. And sometimes there's bigger sins that you have to confess. Sometimes there's smaller sins, but a sin is a sin. And realistically, as sinners, people that step outside of God's will for us, when we step into our own strength, we have the capability, we have a part of the responsibility of having God's blood in our hands, of holding some nails that we might be responsible for, to some extent of what he would even say it means to commit adultery, not even to our spouses, but to the God of this universe. And it's not a fun place to be sometimes. God works in that place and it's a really fun place to be, but it's not always a fun place to be. But I want God to fully abide in everything that is in me, in my words, my actions. This is small, I'm not gonna say that, this isn't small. Um, yesterday, I have, I have a confession to make to start this off. Yesterday, I posted a picture I took before I went onto the island of Unplugged. Someone called me out, Brent, you had your phone at Unplugged. And I, I, I was justifying in my head, I needed it for the car ride over there, which I really did feel like that was responsible. I took the picture before it was on the island, but then I really couldn't justify it because I had forgotten to watch. So I still took my phone onto the island and I still used it not for calls or anything. And I, under, the, under the pretense, and I really at the time believed it of, I need to be able to be reached and feel like be responsible in that sense. I put it on airplane mode so that for the time I was there, I wasn't really be able to be reached. But underneath it and all that justification, there was a sense of that wasn't done in complete faith. If I was really to push myself on it, I, I did borrow Caleb McCollum's watch for a while. Thank you for that. And... I could have asked Dave Smith, is it all right if I just completely have my phone off and turn it off and put it away? And I didn't. And I believe the Bible does say that anything done without faith is sin. And I believe in that moment that I wasn't fully honoring the commitment I asked you to make. And it's small, but I wanted to, um, instead of trying to justify a work around it, confess to you that I'm sorry that I was disobedient in that moment. And that even in the small things, I don't want you to mistrust us as leaders, but I hope that you will hold, that we will hold fast to our commitments, even in the small things, and the way we do that. And I'm humbled right now because that carried over, I think sin is very tricky in the sense of, it seems small, but that carried over into another commitment that I will discuss with my band and God, but was small that I also tweaked and wasn't fully committed to as well. And that's just frustrating. So this is me confessing and just asking for your forgiveness, as I've already put before God, um, to say that I hope you can trust me as a leader, that when I ask things of you, that I will fully honor and do those as well, and that you can trust that in me as a leader. So, I mean, a part of that was someone's like, how many likes did you get in that photo? And I thought it was a really cool photo of Nathan Moss in this cloud and on this pier. And, um, and that was a part of the justification was, I don't care about the likes. And, I, and I, really, I really don't, but there is that sense of someone asked for that photo, I could have just passed it to them, but I posted it online. And there is that kind of call out. And there is just this sense, as a leader, it was a good call out. 
I hope that people can fully trust you, not only in your big commitments, but in your small commitments, to not try and justify them before people, but to stand completely honorable and free before God. I want to fully abide in him in every decision and every choice and every word that I put out there. This is totally off subject. This is me ranting. But Pulse Day, the first day, went really well. The retreat, did everyone enjoy Unplugged? I thought it was amazing. The first day we had Pulse, I went in afterwards and I got to serve you guys. I got to clean up some of the cups and the papers that were on the ground afterwards. And that's not about me serving, but it's me saying this. As servant leaders in this campus, may it never be again that we leave a place dirtier when we leave than when we came in. May it never be that we're the ones that just expect someone else to clean up and leave trash, put something on the ground. Some may have forgotten, but for those that just put something on the ground and let someone else take care of it, may it be very much the opposite in the way we live, whether it's in a restaurant or whether it's here or whether it's at a home. A lot of the things that take an extra minute, making your bed for or taking something else for someone else, usually take about 10 to 20 extra seconds. And a lot of the times we don't go out of our ways for the extra 10 to 20 seconds. And I'm not sure it's very, I'm not sure it's completely servant-like in the way that Christ intended it or wanted us to be. That was a rant. May it be so. We're going to talk about what it means to abide. I want to read two scriptures to you. Psalm 1. Two through four, won't be in the screen, but let me read this to you. And we're gonna go on to John 15 afterwards. So a few verses there, about the same. Blessed, to the, blessed is the man, skipping to verse two, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And, who, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. But not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. John 15, 1 through 6. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean 
talking to the disciples, because of the word I have spoken to you, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. What does it look like for us to abide in the vine, to abide in the tree, to almost eat from the tree of life instead of the tree that, of good and evil. Before we go on and actually take that through, I, I might have shown this video to the campus last year, but I really like just it walking through what it looks like to have been with God or been created one way to be cut off from God and then to find new life in Him. So we're gonna watch this video really quick together and then jump in to unpacking the scripture. You, look at your eyes, look at them, speckled, colorful, each one unique, and I created every one of them. personality. I made you pure, complex, and every day I give you life. I love you, but something happened. You cheated on me. You didn't trust me. off from me, and although you're still alive, you were slowly dying, so you looked for other things. so 
has to die. You or me. So I took on your sin. There's an obvious contrast between life in Christ and life without Christ. I want to unpack that in a second, but I had the privilege, which was announced earlier, but I had the privilege of getting engaged this summer and getting married soon on October 11th to a beautiful woman, Natasha Airskin, sitting over there. And she's got two amazing girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has two beautiful girls, Aaliyah and Roya. So uh, there's a sense of not only becoming a husband, but becoming a father. And so if you see her with two girls, they're not twins. They're four and six years old, and they're running around. And uh, they live right now in 54 Summit. They kicked me out of my house, so I'm bunking up with the Peds, Marilee and Bill Pede, and they're having parties up there. And so um, it's been, they've been really gracious. It's been awesome being able to be there. But... As much as I wanted to explain it out, one of the things I really value about Natasha is that she, and I say it very American, it's more Natasha, but that's, I have to say Natasha, it's just how I naturally say it, so I'm working on that. I'm still working on the, uh, my accent. Um, she, she lives it. She's a woman after God that meditates and sits on her scriptures in a way that they, they permeate not only her life, but her language and the way she lives. And so before I go into some more logical explanations and in the word and unpacking it from my point of view, I wanted her just to share for a few minutes as to what that's meant to her. Her blog is called Abiding in His Love, Abiding in My Love. And, and, that, and that's even before um, the major turn of events in her life. And so she may not go into her, the story of the last two years, but I wanted to ask her just to share for a few minutes, if you don't mind coming up here what it looks like to live out abiding in his love and what that means for someone um, like Natasha from her angle. So let's give it up for Natasha. Well, it is completely unfair for Brent 
to say that and ask me to do that and say that I have a few minutes. I have no idea where to begin. Um, and I would say that there is no higher goal. There is nothing that could be a higher goal to attain to in your life. And there is nothing that will cost more in your life than to learn the incredible mystery of abiding in Christ. There is, um, there is such a sense of awe for me in this issue that I very much right now, I am even going to take off my shoes. <laughs> I do that not lightly. I do it absolutely in humility based on the fear of the Lord and the awesomeness of his presence and that abiding in Christ means that the spirit of the living God, almighty God, who created the foundations of the earth lives and dwells in me. And there has to be an awesomeness and a reverence to the realization of what that means and what that looks like in our lives. And the incredible benefit of that that I have experienced in my life, though the list is endless, but is that 2 Corinthians 1.21 says that he who establishes us in Christ and who anoints us is God. And there is a tremendous sense of security in knowing that the almighty God who spoke light, who spoke the world into existence is the same one who speaks new creation in you, who speaks new creation in me. There is, there is a, the divine, eternal, sovereign, supernatural authority that is the word of God that is unshakable and unconquerable, that nothing can separate us from his love. That he who establishes us in Christ and anoints us is God. So what that means for me and in my life, that we are earthen vessels, but that we carry this incredible treasure in our earthen vessels, means that in myself, in my life, in my body, I am nothing. I have no good thing. And sometimes we can say that, but sometimes you've got to live life and live through the hard of life to really know how true that is. Sometimes you have to have kids and you know <laughs> that that's true. But sometimes you go through experiences and circumstances and challenges in life that add pressure. I'm gonna read from 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, let's just bless Emma, you just bless her. I have two little girls, they're so awesome and we want them to be in the presence of God and bless Emma, we love that. Um, 2 Corinthians 4 starting at verse seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. 
We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. When you are living your life, when you are living our earthly, natural life, but you are in Christ. You are in this world, but not of this world. We are experiencing two different realms, two different realities. The way we think is often very earthly. We think ways that are normal, that humans think. We're tired in the morning, we get cranky sometimes, we're hungry, we live earthen lives on this earth. And there's this as we abide in Christ and as we meditate on God's word and as we have this unshakable treasure of God's spirit within us, we die to ourselves in life and allow the life of Christ to overtake so that the heavenlies is actually reigning and is superseding the natural in our lives. So in this way, Peter could walk on water in this way, miracles take place on the earth. Because of the living Christ, the word that is alive and active in us, and because of the dying of ourselves, so that the life of Christ is being lived in and through us. And that happens through this relationship of abiding between God and earthen vessel, but new creation. And as you walk that walk, you have got to know that it is all God. That it is not of you. It is not you who can create that kind of experience. You, you abide, you draw in, you seek, you meditate on the word. But ultimately, we live a life of surrender. We live a life of submission and a loving response to an almighty God who called you, who anointed you, he created you and formed you in your mother's womb, he knows everything about you, he knows all of the plans that he has for you, and he says, abide in me, die to yourself, allow me to take over your mind and give you the mind of Christ with the wisdom that was there in the beginning that fashioned and created the universe. Allow me to take over your heart so that, yeah, you might care about things and have compassion for people, but I want to give you the heart of God that has a pure, a pure abiding love that conquers all and that never fails. I want to teach you my heart of justice. I want to conquer the world by my life in you living out through you and our role is a lot of death <laughs> and it is death being worked in us but it is life 
and it is where the fruit that comes, he says, for you did not choose me. You're not here because you chose this, but God chose you. And that you would bear a fruit that is not just something of this earth. Lots of people do really good things. But he says, no, I want to pour and invest my life, the kingdom of heaven, inside of you in such a way that you will bear fruit that is lasting, that is eternal. You will be a branch grafted and embedded in the vine that is the source of all eternal life. And you will bear fruit that all will see and that will have lasting eternal impact on the kingdom of heaven and on this world. <laughs> okay, and I'm done. <laughs> awesome. Should I get a done button? Done. Uh, apart, well, remain in me and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. 2 Corinthians 15.14 says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is useless. Without faith, without Christ, there's other verses, without blood sacrifice, without forgiveness, everything we're doing is out of our own efforts. The tree analogy, I love it because I just went and found my, my branch. This is my branch. Someone was like, are you gonna give that to Natasha? You know, and then someone's like, I wouldn't put it past you. And uh, so I thought about it, but this, I've had a flower on it, but okay. With this, is this gonna last through a lot of storms and a lot of years? What actually is it good for? Someone's like, yeah, like the leaves will fall if I do that. I'll have to pick those up afterwards. Like it's not going to last very long. What is this good for? Marshmallows. Uh, <laughs> burning. Is, is, it's good for burning. Is a tree that's green and by the water good for burning? No. Is this going to live ever again or bear a lot of fruit? The Bible says that before we had Christ, anything we were doing was cut off from the vine. Our, our lives spans, what we do was limited. When the world comes to an end, no matter how many good things we did, no matter what we thought was going to matter, it pretty much is going to disappear if you don't have Christ in it. This is my live tree because I couldn't get a live tree in here on the ground. But... Think of, think of this as the live tree rooted down. And a storm, is it going to last? For years, is it going to bear fruit in life? Is it going to be easy to burn? No, there's this, you guys get it, but there's this obvious contrast that sometimes we forget. When we're doing things in Christ, they're not only life-giving for the moment, but they're lasting. But when people are doing things of this world, no matter how flashy they look, they have a lifespan on it and they will soon go away. There's something powerful about living in Christ. I really love visuals. So my one last visual I'm gonna go to is the cross, which is obviously a smart one to use. A lot of times we think of Christ and reconciliation as God forgives us. 
There's this thing of almost like we're standing below the cross, and when God looks down, he doesn't see us, but he sees the righteousness of Christ. And there's this vertical thing that's taking place between God and us. Something we also forget, though, is that a lot of times we're like, okay, yeah, we need that for God, but I still do a lot of good things. I still can help people sometimes outside of God, and it's good stuff. But I think the Bible very much teaches that the good that we do is not only for God to see that, but the good we do among other people comes through Christ as our mediator. God loves so that we can love others. There's a depth to Christ and living in Christ and Christ living in us that says when we're raised from the dead, when we go from being a branch in the ground to being a tree that's living, we're no longer going to be time limited. We're growing more alive. There's still a consequence of death that we all face because of our sins, but then afterwards we get to live on. The fruit that we have and that we live in Christ will last forever, and it is a beautiful, amazing thing. And one last thing with that is this. We have a promise that if we're abiding in Christ, that no matter how hard it gets, we can last the storms. You have roots in the ground. The roots keep you alive because what are they looking for? Water. God, the living water. In Psalms 1, it talks about you're planted by a stream. Life in Christ is living. It's green. It won't return void. You know it, but you need to hear that the things of God, when we're in Christ, make us where we can stand in the day of judgment. We can stand in our weakness and know that in Christ we are strong. But that the things of this world, even if they're there for a little while, will soon, soon disappear. Right now we're going to have the band come up and we are going to actually have a time of worship on the inside of this. In a week and a half, we're going to be having our first spiritual emphasis week where we have a speaker coming in and have a few night and days and I, of, of, of chapel and worship at night. And Nick recently, I, I'm not sure if this is, I, I liked what he had to say. When we were at Unplugged, Nick Guptill came up to me. He's like, you know what, friend? I'm not sure if this is true, but you know how it kind of rained and we really wanted to do the, the Sussex prayer walk and it just didn't really work out yet? He's like, I was wondering and contemplating. I was just wondering maybe if there was something in there to where God really needed us to have a day like this away just to prepare our hearts to really be in a place to where as we go out into the community, we're ready to do that. And I think he's right. I think that we could have gone out, but I think some of us would have been doing some of our works out of our own efforts and not out of a place of abiding in Christ. We might have been proud of what looked pleasing to the eye or looked helpful, but that also was the tree of knowledge of good and evil that brought death. What does it look like to be doing things out of a tree of life, to be abiding, to be doing things out of Christ's love fully in that place? God, I pray that over this campus as we worship together, 
I pray that we start to take that posture that we are trees planted beside trees, streams of living water. And you say that that's first and foremost abiding in Christ as the vine. Jesus, your word in living format, you are who we abide in as a tree of life. You're the one that will replenish and be there in the end. In Revelation 22, we see this tree planted of life, planted by streams of water that brings healing. And God, we pray that we can just abide in that. We also find in Psalms 1 that abiding in your word, meditating on your law, your written words that's alive and active, that that brings life and water to our souls and that it produces fruit to go out into Sussex, to go into this community, to go into our lives here. God, we pray that as we sing these songs that you will start to move and that you will continue in our hearts and minds to prepare our hearts to serve not only on this campus better, but also in this community and to know that as we go into the world, that we're doing that through you, through you, through you as the mediator between us and God the Father and between us and the people we wanna love. Help your love to proceed and go before us. Help us to act out of a love that we're living in Christ. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,